0: Anian. She had walked to the shop in the rain because there was a tracking device put in the car that was placed there by them.
1: You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. You've just crossed over into the Twilight
0: Here comes this red Ford Fusion with two flat tires on the right side. I mean, completely shredded. Just nothing left. And the tire is now wrapping itself up under the wheelhouse. So it kind of lifts the car up about, you know, eight inches. So it's clump, clump. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900.
1: And now, Ronananian. Danger. No. Ronananian. Danger. Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines.
0: Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 call-in number. Here all the time and always working just like the Car Doctor is. Always trying to solve your problem. You can call 855-560-9900. 24-7. We're on the air Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on the network. But you can call that 855-560-9900 number if we're not here and leave a message. And Motorhead Matt, our executive producer, will give you a call back and talk to you about your car problem and get you in here in queue for the next live broadcast and uh, see what's going on. And by the way, when you talk to Matt, the newest addition to the Car Doctor team, just uh, ask him any question about cars. You will be astounded at his Automotive knowledge. He is, um, he is at top of his class. And um, just eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero gets you in the front door. More information at Cardoctorshow.com. Tune in iHeart, iTunes, all the places for podcasting. Also Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. I, I can't believe the name of that, Spreaker, right, um, for podcasting. But uh, we're there as well. And um, we've got a couple other things going on, cooking up for uh, podcasting and streaming. We're also streaming from Cardoctorshow.com as well. Um, from the server out here in the car doctor studios and corporate headquarters so uh, you can pick us up from that as well you wonder how your week went well you can tell by the open from this week's show that last week was well a little bit of a crazy week well this week was pretty good i survived there was no no police coming although there was you know i failed to tell this to tom during our pre-show conversation the police did come to the shop once this week um yesterday afternoon a police officer walked in. And what did you do? Well, I didn't do anything, but I was a good boy. Um he came in and I and I, you know, it was in the midst of Friday afternoon rush trying to, you know, get rid of um, you know, get 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 cars done and out the door. And a police officer walks in the door about 3:30 quarter to 4 and I'm thinking, uh-oh. And he's got a gun. And I'm like, what did we do? And it turns out I think what happened was the bumper fell off of somebody's car out in the middle of the street, and they had dragged it off to the side and just left the bumper sitting on the curb. And he wanted to know, did it belong to any of our cars? And I, you know, no. Um, The the crazy part was, I went and looked at it. There was no license plate on the bumper. So there's a black Toyota something driving around Waldwick with no back bumper and or a license plate. Now. maybe they you know I'm thinking like did they have the license plate stuck in the back window because the bumper was such a piece of junk they knew it was going to fall off um so that did happen this week no no firm sightings of bumperless toyotas in the immediate area of the shop, but that um that went on it um yeah, it just it really happened. A couple of things to make you aware if you're not. Um, if you get out to the Facebook page, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, a couple of videos this week, and we try to do videos every week. Some weeks we make it, some weeks we don't. Um, there was four of them that went up there this week. And the leadoff story, I guess, from the shop was on Monday. The belt squeal. My car needs an AC compressor. The belt squeals. The belt makes noise. Uh, that particular problem. The crank harmonic balancer had had split. And it had the rubber had dried out and it separated and I shot a video if you've never seen this it's really kind of neat to see how the harmonic balancer the front crank pulley actually comes apart the rubber gets dried out this is a car that's 18 going on 19 years old it is a Florida car the car sat for a long time in Florida in a garage and the current owner purchased it from the old owner after the car sat probably the better part of five or six years used very infrequently. It shows you how rubber dries out, and as as I said to one person, how, you know, the car is aging, just like if we sit in the chair the car sits in the garage, it's still aging. It's still getting older by time, and you've got to look at that in terms of how you approach the repair and the maintenance of that particular automobile. So that Facebook, that video is up there on Facebook. You want to see that? You want to go out and see the video about the 2006 Lexus that we had we had a problem here's another car that sat right a 2006 Lexus ES330 when you use the power seat it made this the most annoying noise in the world the only thing more annoying is probably Tom but when he speaks but it's it was just a case that you could tell the track mechanism under the seat was restricted and tight and rusting so we took the seat out flipped it upside down Shot a combination of Gibbs, automatic transmission fluid, and some silicon spray in the tracks and worked it in there and actually got it to quiet down quite a bit. The interesting part is the more you use the seat, the louder it will become so you can tell the lubricant can't hold up under the load of the thrust of whatever it is it's trying to, you know, float it on top of. And in time it'll probably it might take a seat. We'll see. Um, called up Lexus to find out about repair parts. The only thing you can get from Lexus is the motor assemblies. The motors are four or five hundred dollars a piece. There's three of them, but that's not the noise. The noise is actually the track mechanism. That is part of the seat. The seat assembly is almost forty one hundred dollars. I'll say that again. The seat assembly is over four grand. And that's why you have to see this video, because this is a heated, heated, Air-conditioned seat, a heated, cooled seat, and it's just insane, the amount of electronics. I've got the seat upside down in the face. Air-conditioned seat? Air-conditioned seat. Well, it's, actually, it's a they, fan assembly. Oh,
2: okay. I was going to say they blow air into it. They
0: blow air up it, so when you've got the air conditioning on in the car, you can... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't have its own compressor. Now, there are cars out there with real air-conditioned seats. Um, some of the Fords, I believe, are like that. But, yeah, air-conditioned seats is... Because we have to have air-conditioned seats in a car, because... While the person sitting there drinking their Starbucks, eating their donuts, let's drop sugar and grind liquid into it, and what could possibly go wrong? And then everybody will yell and scream and complain about why is it so expensive to fix my car? I have no idea. I just, I just wing it every week. So you want to get a, you want to get a shot of that? There's a great shot. I mean, it looks like when I turned this seat upside down, the first thought that went through my head was that movie, The Martian, with Matt Damon, and all the electronics that he showed. You know, and and. I just looked at that, and I went, wow, this is outer space stuff. The The third video, or the, actually, the actually, yeah, it was the third video, is the tire video. We had a car come in this week with a flat, and the person was driving along and just, you know, didn't hit anything, no potholes that they were aware of, and all of a sudden, clump, 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 and they're getting a flat. Check out the video and look in particular how the casing of the tire is falling off the bead or the bead is falling off the casing you can actually i was actually able to take the bead and roll it off the casing just like you would take a glove off your hand just peel it off you can see how poorly it was adhered and the, the way it was fused together to assemble just poor quality and not a cheap tire in terms of i won't i won't say the name brand but it wasn't a cheap tire like made in China or something, it was it was a national brand, and I'm starting to see some issues with this particular brand where they're starting to fall apart like that. And my point in the video was when you hear me talk about something like a general tire, I'm talking about them because I have faith in their production quality and what they do and how they do it. They put a lot of effort and engineering into what they do, And you've got to believe it when I tell you General Tire is for real, and they're worth looking at. More information at GeneralTire.com. Last video. Take a look at the Toyota exhaust nuts video. Um, Just just a different way to do it. Uh, This is a problem with Toyotas. If anybody out there has ever done this, they're aware of it. They know what I'm talking about. 03 Toyota Highlander V6, 115,000 or so miles. A lot of heat up and cool down cycles, right? You've used the car, it warms up, it cools down. There's something about exhaust nuts and exhaust studs on Toyotas. They just don't want to come apart. They don't want to release. And the way Toyota makes the nuts, it's like, it's like a pinch nut. And I guess because they're putting them on in the factory, and probably within the first couple thousand miles or the first couple of years, I should say it like that, they have probably come apart fairly easily. But after they've been through several thousand cool-down and heat-up cycles and so many miles, the lock nuts are actually adhered to the studs to the point that, and no lubricant, nothing will free them up. And I've tried heating, I've tried cooling them, I've tried shocking them, I've tried tightening them. Sometimes they come off, there's all sorts of different tricks, but they actually tear at the stud. And then you have to get the stud out of the exhaust manifold. And if you've ever been through that, you know, it's, it's, it's like rubbing salt in your eye. It just it not a lot of fun. So I tried something different. I've been thinking about it for a while. And this week, I took a die grinder and up and understand this is up. At, basically, the easiest way to get to these exhaust studs than the way I did it would be to take the body off the frame because they're just in a god awful spot. It's the back bank of a V6, really horrible location. And I took the die grinder and I very gently went down the nut a couple of times until I just saw it kiss through the threads of the stud, stopped, took out my 24 inch air chisel bit and gave it a little tap, split the nut, and I was able to walk it off. Minor damage to the stud, a little bit of a scrape, able to take a die, clean up the threads, put it together, done down the road. Time-consuming, but I didn't break the stud, and I was able to replace the exhaust system um, a lot less problematic and a, a lot less costly than if uh, the stud had broken in the manifold. So just some instructional videos, just informational stuff that we put up there on the Facebook page, things that you want to see, um, because I think it pertains to you. You're all in that same particular situation, and some of it's just technology. I think you just have to look at the technology that's there. But in any event, that's for you to see um, this week, next week, whatever. It's up on the Ron and the Car Doctor page. Phone number is 855 oh, one last thing. We are giving away a Wix diecast car this week. A uh, 70, or, 70 to, or 75th anniversary um, model uh, uh, Ford 39, 39 Ford, I'm sorry 39 Ford Coupe die-cast car From the folks over at Wix Filters More at wixfilters.com So you want to stay tuned for that Motorhead Matt is the official judge So be nice to Matt when you talk to him And um, we'll kind of go from there Let's pull over, Tom Let's pull over and take a pause I'm Ron Aine, the car doctor We'll be back right after this To kick the garage doors wide open
1: That's one small step for man Ron and Anian. Welcome
0: back. Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. That's right. It's 48 years ago this week we landed on the moon. Uh, gee, it seems like yesterday, and I remember where I remember where I was too. I was at summer camp. They had sent me away to summer camp because I was probably so annoying. I was eleven or twelve, I think I was twelve, and I remember sitting in the you know in the main mess tent uh the cafeteria, whatever the heck they called it, and uh, they had set up a giant slide screen and somehow they put it up and I still remember watching him walk down the the the, the lem as he stepped on the moon i didn 't realize what it was really all about at twelve you how could you but um, you know what a what a what a monumental task and we were talking about this before the show about how ridiculous is it people you know we never landed on the moon um,
2: yeah it's like come on I, my my grandmother on my mother's side was one of those people and it's like come on really yeah
0: I I, I don't get it because I, I think by now I don't think the secret could have been kept that well uh you know if it,
2: if it really didn't happen well I was telling you I was reading an article this morning somebody had put out a um, a sarcastic article that said that NASA had hired Stanley Kubrick to to do all the all the moon landing shots and all the moon landing video. And matter of fact, NASA recently came back from the moon with pictures of the Stanley Kubrick sets because he was such a perfectionist. He wanted them all to be on location because the lighting was better.
0: <laughs> and that would make sense. Let's go over and open the phones, Tom. Let's go over to David in Iowa, nineteen sixty El Camino. David, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Yeah. Uh, hey, thanks for taking my call, Ron. You're that, welcome. Uh, the moon thing is. Uh you know the old song, Me to the Moon? Yeah. That think it come true, didn't it? Hey, it anyway, sure did. Anyway, I've, yes, I've got a couple of the 60 El Caminos in Does that make us an antique?
0: Uh, it sure does. Yeah, antique is oh, 25 years or older.
1: Yep. So, anyway, I've got two, uh, two of them. I'm going to make a little a runner out of one of them, and I want to make the other one original, totally original. Uh, I've got the uh, Powerglide. uh The other one doesn't have the transmission in it, uh, but... I was wondering, is, uh, one guy told me a long time ago, he said, David, he says, I can make that uh, hot little uh, that transmission guy. He said, I can put some heavy duty collectors in that, baby. I said, That's what.
2: David?
0: Did we lose David? His what? cell phone may have gone bye-bye. His cell phone went bye-bye. Um, David, are you there? David going once. David going twice. David going three times. I think David's gone. Let me tell you the rest of the. Let me tell you about the rest of the week at the shop. In the meantime, while they try to find David, I, I didn't give you the conclusion of the story about the Red Fusion. Um, if you remember last week, we were talking about the Red Fusion, the gentleman who drove seven and a half miles on the two flat tires on the right side because he wanted to save the price of the tow. Um, what ended up happening with that car was we ended up putting three tires on that car, and we were able to save the rims. And we also had to do an alignment, obviously, because he had, he had kind of kicked things around a little bit. But miraculously, he did not do any body damage. He did not hurt anything uh, from the undercarriage, and, uh, um, you know, we were able to get by. So it was three tires in alignment, two tire pressure sensors, a relearn, and $1,200 later. Anyway, David's back. David, are you still there? David. Yes. David Technology. See, we can put a man on the moon, we can't make a th- we can't make a phone call last longer than better than 2 minutes in this day and age, right? Um, so, you were, you were saying, so the last thing we heard was you have 2 El Caminos, somebody wants to put a heavy duty clutch set up in one of the Transes and that's right where the phone went dead. Well,
1: they were, the guy told me that he could do that years ago, okay, but I don't know if it's possible today. I mean, uh Yeah, why not? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: Um, What I would tell you to do is, and and, you know, the parts for the older, is it an aluminum-bodied glider or a cast-iron glide?
1: Cast-iron, cast-iron, yeah. yeah.
0: The cast-iron glides are harder to find parts for, but there are guys out there that have them. So it's just a matter of just, you know, sourcing them. The Internet will be a wonderful source for that, eBay and so forth, you know, Craigslist and... Uh, you know, it's it's coming to light where I'm noticing more and more parts for the cars from the 50s, 60s, and 70s are coming up online because I think as, unfortunately, the generation that own those vehicles and those parts is passing on, the kids are really have no interest, so they're selling off, you know, the guy who said, I'm going to keep these nine small-block Chevys for someday when I need them. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm going to keep all these transmission parts for the day that I restore the car. Yeah, sure. How'd that work out? So, you know, that would be number one. The other one, the one that you want to make into a hot rod, I would tell you maybe think about doing something along the lines of uh, an aftermarket trans. Maybe a yeah, maybe, right. yeah, why not? Maybe a five-speed Tremec, maybe uh, you know a better automatic. But juice it up a little bit and have some fun with it. Just uh, be prepared to spend some money because um, none of that gets to be very cheap when it happens. David, I appreciate the call. Thanks for uh, listening out there in Iowa. I'm Ron Any in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Back, Ron, and the Car Doctor at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Let's go over and talk to John in New Jersey, twenty fifteen Mustang, and some tire issues. John, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hey, good afternoon, Ron. Uh, this is John speaking. Uh, I have a twenty fifteen
2: Mustang. Uh, we're getting close to sixty thousand miles. The trip looks good on it. Uh, I was just wondering. I do a lot of traveling into the city, uh into Jersey City, and I also. Uh, Drive the Turnpike uh, coming up pretty soon uh, on a regular basis because I work with a program down in uh, Central Jersey, you know, Office 7A. I was just wondering uh, when, you know, I should be preparing myself for four tires on this Mustang.
0: You know, John, it's amazing how long... Tires last on some of the cars today and my guess is the fact that you've got 60,000 on this car and you've still got tread on the tires and the tires are in good shape as you say um, you're probably a better driver out on the road than most in in, in terms of you know uh, know, handling and cornering and, and acceleration and so on because you know driving habits do affect tire tread life that being said tires do last Long time today. 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 on a set of original tires on a car is not unusual. I would think probably somewhere in the next 10,000 without seeing the car. Off the top of my head, I've got to think somewhere in the next 10,000. Uh, You know, you're probably going to be coming due for tires. The simple penny test, if you want to go out there and do it yourself, take a penny and insert it, head towards the tread, and if you can see the top of Lincoln's head, then it's time for tires. But you have to do that test across the face of the tire. You know, people will go out and they'll tell me, well, you know, I couldn't see the top of Lincoln's head because I stuck it in the tread and, you know, the tread depth is good. Yeah, but you only did it in one spot. You know, the outer edge that's bald, that counts too. So, you know, you've got to do it across all five or six ribs and and see how it measures and stacks up. You know, the other thing to always consider and it doesn't necessarily apply in your case because it's a 2015 is tire age. All right? If if this were a tire, you know, if this car was a 2011 or a 2012, you're five going on six years old, somewhere around the seven, eight year mark. We're starting to see tires because of birth date. You, you want to really take them off the car. We had a Lincoln in the shop this week, an 88 Lincoln Town car. And here's an extreme example. The owner had gotten a flat and without realizing it, put the spare on. I looked at the spare. You want to guess how old the spare was? Mm-hmm. Original.
2: 1988,
0: probably. Yeah, 1988. When I figured out the date code, the tire was made February of 1988. So the tires is as old as the car. When we put four tires on the car, we tossed the spare and took one of the existing tires that were only a couple of years old. It had a little bit of tread left. It was good enough for a spare. We made that as spare. So, you know, that's 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 an extreme case. When you go out to choose tires for the Mustang you know, to, to you know, what brand, how do we want to look. I'm sure, you know, if you get a chance, go out. And if and I'm sure you have the time. Go out and look on Facebook. Go look at the video of the tire that came apart, the shredded tire up on. Uh, uh,
1: I have seen that already. Okay.
0: And the way the casing came apart. And that's that's an example of, you know, if, if we ever wrote a book about how not to make a tire, that's, that's really a classic example of what not to do in the way that, it was bonded together, and that's the second time I've seen this brand do that. So it's it's making me question just how good a brand it really is. And um, it wasn't a it was a cheap tire, but it wasn't a cheap offshore China tire. It was you know a national name brand that uh, we all know and and, and have heard of. Um, so that being said, go take a look at the General Tire rack. You know, go see what General Tire has on their rack, and uh, take a look at the on the Mustang. I would I would definitely tell you to take a look at the GS A O GS O five. Um, You know, see what's there. I'm sorry, the G-Max ASO5. Um, Take a look at the G-Max ASO5 out on GeneralTire.com. Very nice tire. Great tread design. A lot of the General Tire features that we always talk about, their smart grip technology will help that Mustang handle even better than it does now. The way they do the replacement tire monitors, the visual alignment indicators that are built in, that's what makes General Tire second to none, in my opinion, and that GMAX ASO 5 is a good, solid tire, and it's their most recent model. So you're buying the latest technology, something else to look forward to. So, all right, sir.
2: Thank you. You're very welcome. This is it. You, you're very welcome, JS. John.
0: So you're yep. very welcome, JS. You take good care, huh? All righty. We'll see you again. Um, tire technology is always changing. And just like automotive technology, it's always something to look at and uh, be aware of. So um, great question. Let's go out to Bruce in Wisconsin, 2004 Lexus, and uh, see what's going on here. Bruce, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help?
2: Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. I have a 2004 LS430, 165,000 miles. It's a lot of highway miles, rural Wisconsin. Okay. And I got new tires on it from Tire Rack, and the dealer put them on and I'm the one that noticed to them the inside of the tires are wearing on all four tires because I've been rotating them. And I keep up on the inflations and I, I always get alignment. So they check the alignment and they said the right, one of the right rear um, axles, passenger axle had negative camber. Okay. So Limits you... were minus 1.8 and this was minus 1.9, which was just out of spec. Right. So they just said, well, just keep rotating your tires. There's nothing we can do. The, um, the alignment, the, uh, camber isn't adjustable. Wow. Yeah. So I took it to this, my body shop and he said, your suspension has dropped three quarters of an inch. And I think you have just spring sag. And if we get you new struts and new, um, New springs, he said, that'll take care of your problem. Okay. So your question so to me is: Well, my question is: Is this spring sag on this big, heavy LS, which is, you know, it's probably a four thousand pound car? Is this something that is possible? Two thousand and four? Sure. Absolutely. It's 10?
0: it's it's thirteen years old, um, and yeah. it could it could happen. You know, this is like the conversation I had at the top of the hour about how cars, you know, age by time. And, you know, you sit in the chair, you're getting older by the minute. The car sits in the garage, it's getting older by the minute. The effects of gravity on it are are constant and they're ongoing. So I would say without a doubt. Now, what you may also want to ask the body shop is, once they do the springs and the struts, is there an adjustment shim package they can put in there to give better or easier or more camber adjustment to the rear? Just because, okay. Just because it doesn't come from the factory like that doesn't mean somebody in the aftermarket doesn't have the ability or hasn't come up with a way for that to be corrected because camber okay. camber adjustment on on front-wheel drive cars rear camber adjustment on front drive cars has been a chronic problem all along and a lot of okay. cars go through this particular issue and here's an example where I you know it, I would love to see what the alignment machine says for for a spec measurement and then as far as you know an adjustment kit uh, you know, it's it's. I'm sure this is repairable. You know, keep in okay. mind. Keep in mind too, 1.9. The problem there, you know, I like to see things in the middle of the spec. If it's zero to 1.8, yeah, yeah,
2: I'd I'd love
0: to, I'd love to see point nine tenths of a degree here. At least I'm in the middle yeah. of the range. Um, you're you're all the way at the end of the limit, and the factory didn't design it like that. If they did, they'd had a lot. You know, people would be complaining yeah. about this. You know, on every car that was sold. So, you know, I would let your body shop handle it. I like body shops in a case like this over a mechanical shop because they've got the ability to manipulate and move things. And they've, you know, after the car got in an accident and they had to straighten it out and put it back to factory spec, trust me, the body shop's got a better shot of doing it than a dealership that just wants to sell tires and hang wheel alignment heads. All right, you so, know,
2: I was kind of discouraged that I had to show them that the tires were wearing were they able to just keep rotating it till to, to oblivion until I was getting vibration, and then I would have needed new tires. But otherwise, I've had two of these, a quarter million miles, two wheel bearings, that's it. Right. So if i got to put a little money into it, it's not a big deal to drive right. it to 250,000 miles. Sure,
0: absolutely. And I think that just comes under the heading, Bruce, of... You know, I had someone, what was I working on this week? I was working on something this week, and the customer couldn't thank me enough for doing the job. And listen, it's part of the job. It's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to fix the car. And, uh, you know, I don't know what it is in the last 10 months, a year. It seems like the cars and the customers and the problems walking through the door, they're just, like, thrilled to be there. And, I'm, uh, you know, the comments I'm getting, it's like there's just less and less people out there trying to really do the job correctly. And I'm not saying we're the only ones. But, you know, calls like yours and comments that I get from customers makes me think that, um, you know, we're kind of riding a doomed elephant here. It's just, it's just going nowhere because uh, that next generation isn't really repairing these cars, and I question it. I'm not saying it's true, but I do question it. It's in the back of my mind. Bruce, i got to go. The clock's going to take me. I appreciate the call. If you have any other further issues, drop me a line, Ron, at Cardoctorshow.com, and I'll be glad to help you any way that I can. 855 The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Is it my turn to talk? Ha, 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 ha. Hey, Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, I'm back. I'll do a quick piece of email. Um, and I thought this was kind of cute and, in the sense that you know, this is what I'm here for. I get an email during the week. Hey, Ron, I was wondering about something on my wife's Subaru and occurred to me. I have a car guy on my weekend lineup who answers emails. Perhaps I should ask him. Scott Loomis, W-I-L-S, Tom, out in Lansing, Michigan, right? Anyway, it's a 2015 Subaru. The owner's manual maintenance schedule calls for changing the brake fluid at 30,000 miles. Necessary or not? And if so, is it something I should take to the dealer, or can any reputable shop do it? dealer wants $150 to do it, which seems nuts to me. What say you? Scott Loomis, Operations Manager, uh, McDonald Broadcasting Lansing. Um, here was my answer, and I-, I thought it was a good answer in the sense that it was, it was pretty clear and concise. I, th- I thought about it as I wrote it, and... Uh, my response to Scott was, it's what I'm here for, brother, and it is. Listen, I'm here to answer your questions. That's kind of my life. Um, I, I've got to warn you. You know, some of you people are emailing me and Facebooking me at 6 o'clock in the morning. When you get that reply, I'm shaving. You know, it's, uh, I'm sitting there listening to the listening to the news and uh, on my tablet, and I get these little boop, and I go, okay. I'll answer the question now. It's easier. Brake fluid is a good service in any vehicle based on both time and mileage. Brake fluid by chemical makeup attracts moisture to it, which it does. That's why, you know, I, as I pointed out in my answer to Scott, did you ever wonder why it says in the t- on a brake fluid bottle, it always says secure cap tightly? Because a loose cap will absorb moisture through it, and it will contaminate the fluid to the point that it is unusable. All right? There are a couple of theories about how much... You know, depending on who you ask, I believe 2 to 3% a year, meaning that a 3-year-old car can have up to almost 10% brake fluid displacement by moisture. Now, environment obviously plays a big part in that. But the key point is, moisture in a brake system is not a good idea. It affects hydraulic action of the brake, it shortens the lifespan of components, and it ends up in the long run costing more money. So I point out to Scott, and I point out to you, look at the color of your brake fluid. In many cases, at 30,000 miles, in reference to his wife's 2015 Subaru, two going on three years old, age and mileage will only be yellow. It's still a sign of moisture. When it's blank, it's really bad. You've got to remember this. Maintenance is like preventing cancer. You don't want to wait till you're close to it having to to, to stop smoking. That's why it's called preventative maintenance. All right? If you remember, did I talk about it last week on the show? I don't recall if I did, but I had a 2007 Dodge Caravan in the shop. I could never get this guy to do any maintenance. About a month prior to his visit to the shop, he had a slam on the brakes and a panic stop, and the brake pedal was never the same. He brought it in. I had to replace the Master. There was so much crud in the bore of the Master that he overrode overrode the the. Uh, The piston seal passed it and ruptured it. Had to put a master in it. The pedal still wasn't 100%. Had to do a power bleed on the ABS controller using a scan tool, and the vehicle was fixed. My answer to Scott, my answer to everybody else is, yes, brake fluid maintenance is necessary. Brake fluid maintenance is part of vehicle care. It should be, you know, it's, it's roughly an hour's worth of the shop's time, maybe a little more, a little less plus fluid. 150 sounded a little high to Scott, and I expressed that to him. Uh, you know, but it's also a matter of how good are they doing it and how good is the shop. So anybody can do it. It's not hard to do. It just takes effort. and that I leave up to everybody to decide, you know what kind of effort do they want and uh, what do they want to get what they get what you pay for in that sense of the word. eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this. The car doctor. Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the car doctor kind of winding it down this hour at eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. You know, I'm a car guy. And I've, I've got to tell you a real quick funny story. And it's the little things that make car guys happy. I, I don't know what makes us tick like this, but we're sitting around the dinner table the other day. And, you know, how was your day? And we're talking about it and so on and so forth. And um, I said, I've got really exciting news. And they were all like, yeah, wow, what happened? Like, you know, um, what, you're going to get a TV show? You know, what's what's really exciting to you? I said, look at this. And I pulled out a box that I brought into the kitchen. I got up from the kitchen table and I pulled out. I found, you know what I found on eBay? A new, I'll have to take a picture of and put it up on Facebook. A new old stock, meaning so it's it's an original GM hood ornament. For a 71 Monte Carlo. Now, I have a 72, but in college, you know, I saw the 71 and I had to have it. I probably paid $16 for it back in 1976, 77. All right. I paid 134 for this one. All right. But it's the coolest. It's, a, it's about a 10-inch, eh, maybe it's about an 8-inch long piece of chrome with a little round oval and the Chevy emblem sticking straight up. And I'm going to put that on the car. And I don't understand, and this is my point, you know, they know you're a car guy, and they look at you and they go, and? I mean, that's like really exciting to me. You know, that's, you know, some people would go, hey, you know, I talked to the president. Well, maybe not talking to the president anymore, but, you know, I talked to the president this week. What's exciting for you? I found this new old stock hood emblem for a 71 Monte Carlo, and it fits the car perfect. It looks really cool. You know, they weren't even excited the week before, the week before I found in one of the parts catalogs somebody actually makes a conversion kit where you can take a car with idiot lights, which is what the Monte Carlo has. Goldie, as I call her. Um, you know, it has idiot lights. They actually make a gauge conversion kit, so you can put factory-looking gauges in your Monte Carlo without having to change the wiring harness. I thought that was really cool. I don't know. i got to get a new family or another hobby. Something's wrong. I can't quite figure it out, but I can figure this out. I'm Ron in the car doctor, reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.